You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. I always go back to asking yourself the hardest question in the mirror, looking at yourself in the mirror, who cares? If you have an idea or you have a brand and you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, who is going to care about what I am doing? Am, am I contributing something positive? Then you're on the right path. That was Jillian Wright. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Sorry for the delayed episode this week. I've had no voice and this horrible cough since mile 13 of the TCS New York City Marathon last Sunday. But that's another podcast. I'm excited to introduce you to today's guest, Jillian Wright, co-founder of Indie Beauty Expo, an ecosystem she created to empower beauty and wellness entrepreneurs for success, which launched in 2015. In just five years, Indie Beauty Expo has expanded from one event in New York with 80 brands to events in five global markets, New York, LA, Dallas, London, and Berlin, with more than 750 brands. As the business has grown, it has evolved into a self-reinforcing ecosystem entirely centered around independent beauty entrepreneurs with the launch of several new services under the Indie Beauty Media Group umbrella, including a digital publication, entrepreneurial education, online services marketplace, and major retail partnerships with Neiman Marcus, Feel Unique, and Douglas. On today's episode, Jillian and I sync up about where her passion to build this ecosystem began, her personal journey and beauty roots, the inspiring career shift that was the catalyst for her next chapter, the risks she took to get started, her mission to help entrepreneurs in beauty and wellness, and the workouts that fuel her for success. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to the app, scroll through the episodes, click on the five stars, then click on write a review and tell us what you love. Today's episode is fueled by Mad Ritual CBD. Mad Ritual CBD has changed my recovery game in a really big way. Get ready to recover like a rebel with these awesome, high-quality, CBD-infused products. Their CBD balm is off-the-charts amazing. And I'm not the only one that thinks so. Mad Ritual has 100-plus five-star reviews. The balms have five simple organic ingredients, coconut oil, shea butter, olive oil, plant wax, CBD, and different blends of essential oils. Personally, I prefer the eucalyptus and peppermint. They also offer a terrific CBD-infused total recovery supplement. 
not just for athletes. The products are formulated to ease all of the aches and pains that come along with being an active human. So if you are sore from life, Mad Ritual gets it. Founded by women athletes and active entrepreneurs, they are committed to helping active folks bring more balance to their lives. Mad Ritual is offering Marnie on the Move listeners 15% off. Head over to their website, madritual.com, and use the code Marnie on the Move. Now, on to the episode. Thank you so much for being here today, coming over to record an episode of the podcast. And also, thank you so much for inviting me to your amazing event, the Indie Beauty Expo in August. I actually discovered so many great indie beauty brands. Where did Indie Beauty Expo begin for you? The idea for the Indie Beauty Expo came out of my own experience. I was a working esthetician and spa owner in Manhattan for uh, close to 17 years. I was really happy. I loved my job. I loved my business. I loved everything about it. I loved getting up in the morning and going to work and seeing my clients. It allowed me to raise my kids in the city, and it was just a wonderful experience. About 10 years into my career, I wanted to start my own skincare line. And that was in you know 2010. And I didn't launch until 2014. So it took me a while to create this amazing collection that was aesthetically driven because I came from the spa world and I did facials. So it was it was a core collection of products that suited all different types of skin. But what happened was, is so much time had gone by, and because I was in the treatment room, I wasn't out there networking, and I wasn't out there sort of seeing how there was this shift in the beauty industry. So I honestly built, I honestly thought that if I built it, they would come. Right. Like it happened in 1999. It was very easy for me to become a well-known esthetician because I was written about by Daily Candy. Right. Put me on the map, and I literally was booked for 17 years. That's amazing. I remember Daily Candy. That was a great... It was a great newsletter. Yeah. So then you fast forward to 2014 and the entire landscape had changed and it didn't happen. And I was very humbled and I I couldn't at the time figure out how how am I going to meet the buyer of Bergdorf? I'm four blocks away. Right. How am I going to meet the beauty buyer of Bloomingdale's? So it was very frustrating for me. I was trying LinkedIn. I was trying all these different ways. And just to no avail, there was no platform to meet these incredible buyers. I wasn't a farmer's market brand. I wasn't a craft fair. I wasn't a home goods fair type of brand. It was called, for me, luxury indie beauty. The type of brand that you would discover on the pages back then of magazines, right? getting your pedicure and you're just flipping through to the beauty editor's edit. Yeah, like a front of book piece or something like that. And it just didn't exist. Yeah. So I wrapped my head around doing a trade show. At the time, the trade shows that were available to me were either too intimidating, too big. I really needed my hand held as a new brand, I didn't know what I was doing. And it wasn't be- it just because I was an esthetician. Right. It was, it, I just wasn't in the trade show circuit. I didn't know, right. like, if I'm going to spend this money, is it going to take one show or do I have to do multiple shows? It was really very foreign right. to me. I mean, you weren't a marketing person. So that is always <laughs> a challenge for people who are super talented and creative. 
And when most indie brands have no infrastructure, so they don't have any employees, so they don't have a marketing director, or they don't have communications, they don't have any of that. So one thing led to another, and I just literally was walking across Madison Avenue, and I said, I'm just going to do my own show. And that's when the vision came to me, where I saw Tata Harper, Lotus Way, Kahina Giving Beauty, Tracy Martin, all in one room. And those were the brands and the people I wanted to be around, because they were very inspiring to me. And so it's one thing to have a good idea, and then another thing to execute that idea. Right, that is very, very <laughs> is true. very challenging thing. <laughs> uh, so I started doing research, I, I got the website, the URLs, like, I had my mission statement, but then what do you do after that? So I had a client at the time. His name is not her name, Murad. And, you know, I'm very, very professional in my facials. And I kind of mentioned the idea to him in January of 2015. But it wasn't until February of 2015 after the facial. I said, you know, Nader, I did some research and I found 400 other indie brands like me around the world and we have nowhere to go. We have nowhere to do serious business with buyers and press. And at the time, buyers and press were very, very important. Yes. We've, we've come to realize that there are more people in this industry that in the are mix very that are important. That are, yes. And without any hesitation, he just said yes. And that's how the idea and how the Indie Beauty Expo was, was born. Tell me about the Indie Beauty Expo, like how many cities you're in, what kind of brands you have, and how you've evolved since that first show. Our first show in 2015, we had 80 brands. Mm-hmm. Most of them were skincare. So you fast forward to 2019, we've added expos in LA, Dallas, London and Berlin. So now we have five shows across the world. We'll end up going to Asia at some point, but not right now. And so you have buyers from all around the world come to your show to meet and discover these indie brands. Yes. Buyers will travel to all of our shows, but in London, you're predominantly going to get Europe and the UK and the really, really big names. And I see these people coming into our system, registering to come, and I'm like, wow, I kind of wish I was an indie brand again to share that excitement with all these other companies. But unfortunately, I I retired my skincare line pretty quickly after we we launched IBE because it was a conflict of interest. But I'm super, super excited for the brands in London. But that happens every single show. It's not one or the other. It's if you're a brand... You know, you either come on tour with us and do as many shows as you can because you're going to meet different buyers from different regions of the world. How do you discover some of these brands that end up exhibiting at Indie Beauty Expo? I'm constantly looking for brands, even though that's not my department anymore. I I built that department within the Indie Beauty Media Group. And I have a whole team of people who are just solely on the brands. But I'm still discovering brands every single day and I'll screenshot or I'll send the URL to our team leader and they'll reach out or honestly brands reach out to us and they right, have us. now you have a reputation and people obviously yes. know who you are. So they have us on their radar for when they want to launch or it first let's talk about what independent beauty is because there's yeah. a lot of misconceptions. It's not about worth. It's about ownership. So a brand has to be 50% owned and operated independently. So we encourage investment. We encourage success. That's what this whole movement 
is that we are developing. And there are a lot of very, very uh, successful, mature indie brands. In LA, we're going to have uh, Foreo, mm-hmm. you know, the little cleansing device. Yes. In New York, we had Unicorn Snot. <laughs> right, I saw that. <laughs> uh, Mad Hippie is exhibiting. So, you know, we have a lot of these incredible brands that are a little bit more recognizable. Yes. And now it sounds like, you know, you've always kind of been passionate about beauty and skincare. Where did that begin for you? It's just, I think... It's not so much about a lipstick or a cream, although I am very much more a skincare person. I think it's just because it makes me so happy. Like this whole entire beauty industry, it just is celebratory about who you are and how you want to express yourself. And I think that's what really I'm passionate about. And of course, the beauty entrepreneur and and what that could mean for somebody starting a business I love the whole dynamics of, of the beauty industry and what it can mean f- in many different ways. And I wasn't the type of person who, my mom didn't wear a lot of makeup. Her ears aren't e- even pierced. Where are you from? Connecticut. Okay. This was just, I, th- I think it really just stemmed from me being an esthetician Yeah. and the way I made people feel. Like I would get up, I would go to work, I would do these incredible facials, but it wasn't just a facial for me. It was like, I'm improving this person's skin, their confidence, their self-esteem. And that to me meant I was doing something positive and I was doing something worthwhile. So then the, the flip side of that with IBE, that just came out of nowhere. That wasn't planned. That was really from a frustration of not being taken seriously as a small brand and seeing all these other people become super successful. And I'm like, what am I missing? What am I doing wrong? And what, and and a lot of that stemmed from not being able to network. Right. So I think that's first and foremost, my first lesson for any entrepreneur or any business person is to get out there and meet people and don't be afraid. Even for me, like I always make an effort to get out and go places and do things, even if I'd rather just like sit in my office and work on certain things or just chill out on a weekend or go for a run. Like I make an extra effort because it's always like a mental hurdle sometimes to like get out and go do something in terms of like networking. But then I always love it after. Mm -hmm. A lot of entrepreneurs are so involved in their own product and building their brand and in the details of things that they miss that point of how important it is like you just said to get out and meet other people you know you just it's almost like you just put it on your calendar and do it it's one of the keys to success I had my my facial business so I was you know meeting people every day and I loved it but it was one-on-one and then now it's I'm meeting droves and droves of people from our summits our expos you know doing things like this But sometimes I make it a point when I do other events or I attend other events to sit by myself at lunch. I find a table and I sit by myself because I want people to approach me. I don't want to sit with people that I know or or people that might take up a lot of my time where it would inhibit somebody new to come talk to me. And I'm very approachable. And that's what happened the other day. I sat by myself and I was even invited over to another table and I said, no, I'm fine. Thank you. And I had the most amazing conversations because these people that came up to me weren't afraid. And it was the best part of this event that I went to was meeting these, these people. It was great. That's such a great idea. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to sit by yourself. And I was always afraid. 
In fact, I'll give you a little secret. When I first started this whole thing, I honestly thought to myself, why would anybody want to listen to me? I'm just an esthetician. I was very insecure and I was very afraid to get out there and to share my voice because I wasn't Harvard educated and I didn't come, I didn't really know anybody because I was in this bubble. And it was, I had to get over a lot of challenges, internal challenges to be where I am today. It's not, I mean, I was in drama and I did all that stuff in high school. I'm not afraid, but that insecurity wave came through me. You have like some self-doubt and question. Oh, a hundred percent. But you have to push through. Yeah. You have to push through and train yourself to not be afraid. I hear that a lot from other entrepreneurs. I've even gone there myself on occasion. And now you have grown Indie Beauty Expo to be so much more than just a trade show. Do you, well, I, we've I, created yeah. an ecosystem okay, so, or a universe of opportunity for okay. the beauty entrepreneur and those that support the beauty entrepreneur. So we started with the Indie Beauty Expo, and then we added Beauty X Summit, which is our educational series. We're going to have four of them next year. We have three currently. Then we have Beauty Independent, which is our digital publication. Right. And we actually have a column called No Stupid Question. Yeah. Because in developing Beauty Independent, we were talking amongst ourselves, and I said, we've got to do something where... We just have to ask the most radical questions because yeah, like, you know everybody is thinking them, and it's one of our most popular columns on the, uh, the 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 platform. And then we have Uplink, which is our service provider directory, and then we have Uplink Live, which is something brand new that we just implemented less than six months ago. Okay. Because I have these aha moments, and Nader has these aha moments. And really, it's about fulfilling these unmet needs in the industry. You know, rewind. I said, Nader, we, we need a beauty academy. Hence, now we have Beauty X. Nader's like, there are so many stories that aren't being told. Now we have Beauty Independent. So then there are these service providers that are walking the show aimlessly. Well, why don't we create a directory for them? Because they want to work with indie brands. Right. So we're just like cutting out and editing all of those other companies that aren't necessarily suited for the smaller and mid-sized companies. So it's kind of interesting to see this all grow so organically. You've built an ecosystem. Yes. And then we have our retail partnerships. Because back in the day, you know, 18 months into Indie Beauty Expo, we were like, well, wait a second. No one really knows what's happening in the retail space with beauty. And it's, they're talking about this retail apocalypse. Oh, we, we have to help the retailers sort of, you know, find all these brands because there are thousands now. Remember earlier I said 400? Now yeah. there are thousands. And why don't we become an extension of their buying team and help them orchestrate these amazing collections within their space. I remember when I worked in fashion, there were trend forecasters and they would help the buyers like dial into like what brands to look at. So now you're doing that for retailers and buyers where you're helping them create their retail. And that is another thing that sort of was birthed recently is we were starting to see these incredible trends. So Beauty Independent is two years old. 
So we started doing trends after every single show. Okay. Um, and a trend for us is in threes. Okay. And now these trends are exploding like you know, women's health and sexual wellness and CBD and now oral care. Yes. Mission driven, um, zero waste. And a lot of that has been, you know, has come out of the Indie Beauty Expo. So we do trend reports after every single show and then we compare. So we're collecting all this amazing data. So what are some of the, you just kind of touched lightly upon some of the trends that you're seeing, but what are some of the big trends that you're seeing in the Indie Beauty world? So with men's care, they're becoming extremely specific and calling it or or going towards the anti-pollution path. Okay. With men, which I think is very, very smart. Because yes. that is something that men can digest. Right. Like, oh, I'm using this cream because of all the pollution in the air or whatever. Yeah. Um, and most of what I'm seeing is like sets of three, which is also very palpable for a guy to be able to like use a you know, few products. And then oral care is definitely, it's here, but it's, it's you're going to see more and more brands identifying and tackling our whole situation with toothbrush waste and plastic containers and people are coming up with different and newer versions on how to take care of our teeth which is very very exciting and yeah, because the uh, mouth is the gateway to health like the microbiome exactly and microbiome you know probiotic prebiotic that's yep. also very interesting and then mushrooms mushrooms i think that's going to be the next frontier of uh, research there was a brand in new york called biophile Mm -hmm. and the founder allison uh, cutlin created a self-sustaining preservation system with a shroom broth oh that's awesome and it's very interesting that's interesting yes i mean so you know we've been in the world of wellness i mean you know we've been like taking ashwagandha and putting adaptogens and all kinds of mushrooms in our food, in our smoothies, in our taking them as supplements, but now eating them. (laughs) Yeah. Just eating them. You can also just eat them. That's also one option. (laughs) I don't actually eat mushrooms. That's so funny. I love, I put them all into my drinks and pretend I'm not eating them, but they're good for you. (laughs) So, but you're seeing them now in beauty products. Yes. I think the first time I, I mean, I really saw it or like it became a thing was with moon juice. Right. With Amanda Chantel Bacon, she really kind of put that on <laughs> mushrooms on the map. Yes. But I think it's a it's a really interesting ingredient to work with, and I, there's a lot of possibilities. And then I just read something, but this had more to do with texture and material. There's a company called Evonik, mm-hmm. and they're a supplier, and they are using yeast to create a vegan leather. So a vegan texture, that um, is very like a leather texture out of yeast. And I just skimmed that article today. I was like, wow, that's very cool. But they're going to be at IBE, Uplink Live LA, and New York. So when are your next, when is your show in LA and when is your show in New York? Our show in LA is in January. Okay. It's the third week of January. And then New York is in August 2020. New York. But we have London coming up and Berlin and Dallas. So we're just all over the place. That's great. So you're doing, you have a mix of international, it's, it's yes. all global markets. Yes. Do brands typically just sign up for all five shows or do they, like how do brands sort of access Indie Beauty Expo and your ecosystem? It's definitely a la carte. Okay. I think first and foremost, people should read Beauty Independent. And we offer five articles for free per month, but it's addicting. So if 
someone really wants to commit and learn because it's all journalistic by the yearly subscription because that's the least expensive way to enter and read 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 everything you can possibly read on beauty independent these are stories about the entrepreneurs themselves the retailers everything that you could possibly imagine about how do you pick your packaging supplier you know how do you get into sephora and a lot of these brands just go through beauty independent and we are introduced to them through bi so beauty independent is separate from ibe you don't have to be an exhibitor to be written about in beauty independent okay like i said it's journalistic okay rachel brown chooses what she wants to write about and when that is completely her universe but if you're looking to learn more about you know small businesses you know indie beauty is like beauty independent that's like your first point of entry then because a lot of entrepreneurs are very right-brained yes you need the left brain you know the left side of the brain too and that's where beauty x summit comes in and we segment the topics for instance la is demand generation we were calling it press media and influencers but as we progressed it's more about generating demand and marketing for your brand okay and we create all of our own content Mm -hmm. for that as well we don't outsource our thinking though we do have panels and keynote speakers as well in dallas it's about retail and then new york it's the capital summit and then in 2020 we're adding beauty x entrepreneur and this is an event it's a two-day event and it's it's intimate so 100 to 200 people and you're meeting amazing people in the industry not only the people that are on stage but also your fellow peers right so that's another way that you can get involved is and that's education education so between reading and educating and then of course networking going to the show or if you're ready exhibiting and the point of exhibiting is to get your name out there yeah create as many leads as possible and a retailer may not be ready to pick you up but that's okay. They may be ready in eight months. Right. You just have to start that conversation. Right. So if you're a small brand, you might want to start with a smaller show and get your feet wet. Most brands will do like three a year. Mm-hmm. Some brands are not ready for Berlin or London. Right. And some of the European... Like they don't have the distribution. They don't have the production. Right. They wouldn't but- be able to even ship... Not yet. Yeah. But if they want to, we have those resources. Right. So you really help... You really help entrepreneurs and these brands build their companies i really don't like wasting money or time right it sounds like that ibe and ibmg as a whole we have all of this like so much and you have to become involved you you have to like i met this woman the other day she's like i'm gonna start a, a blog about you know beauty and and you know beauty entrepreneur i'm like why i'm like you should be spending your time reading beauty independent we've done all the work for you right why are you going to waste your time doing something that's going to be very difficult to scale yes we're serving it on a platter the information is there here's my card i'll answer any question you want but seriously beauty independent is definitely the way to go (laughs) well it's like you know i i always you know one of my first podcasts i interviewed patricia field and she 
gave me some of the best advice ever, which is do what is easy for you. Because (laughs) if you're not doing what's easy for you, somebody else is going to be doing the same thing and it's going to be easy for them. So if you're creating a company and you're an entrepreneur, it's great to, you know, focus on that and, you know, have some, a resource like your company to be able to fill out all the other parts of the picture and help get them, you know, moving and into different doors and introduced to press and media. Absolutely. You just have to do your research and you have to ask yourself the hard questions. I mean, I have, I have this idea for a product, right? And even in my position and everybody that I've met, I would still have to start at the foundation level of where would I spend my time? Where would I spend my resources? And I wrote an article for BI about the 10 things I learned about my skincare line because I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And I just did it because I have no fear. Right. And it was great to have it for my, my spa. It was a bridge or precursor to what you were supposed to be doing. It was a catalyst. And that's why I retired my brand because, first of all, it would have been a conflict of interest because I have so many contacts now. And I can't push my own skincare line when I have thousands of others that I need to be the voice for. Right. And I just donated all of my products to the Shoebox Project. And it was the best thing I ever did. It took me a year to make that decision. But I couldn't hire anybody. And believe me, I was asked multiple times, so what about your brand? And I would quickly change the subject because that's just the type of person that I am. I wasn't going to use... Indie Beauty Expo or IBMG now for my own self, you know, um, journey promotion. promotion. Yeah. I couldn't do that because then what would that would reflect poorly on my organization. So I just donated all the products, and which is great because a lot of brands will come to IBE now, mm-hmm. and they don't want to take the product back with them because it's too expensive to actually ship the product back to wherever they are. Right. So we'll have the shoebox project come in to IBE and there's another organization we did this with in New York. Yes. And they take the product and give it to homeless women and women in need and and battered women who need personal care items. So for me, it's a win-win That's because these amazing brands and better made beauty are getting into the hands of women who might not necessarily ever be exposed. That's great. To this kind of stuff. I mean, and so you went from one trade show to now this whole ecosystem. You've been evolving and growing, but were there ever any things that you were like, okay, you know what, we're going to just not do that. Like it's not working. Or, you know, maybe like you're talking about your skincare line and how you kind of had to make that tough decision. Have there been other tough decisions along the way? Like have you wanted to grow faster than you could or... You know, any of those kind of lessons that you've learned? We've definitely grown really fast. Yes. And there's a lot of times I would give Nader pushback. I'd be like, why are we going to Berlin? I don't know the, I've, I don't know the first thing about that market. No, we're going to do it. Okay. All right. So I'd have to wrap my head around my, my fear, even though I, I say fear is not in my vocabulary. I would get that feeling in my, my chest. Like, is this going to succeed? But it always does because the team that we have put in place are as, if not more passionate about what we're doing than we are. It's, and we're very passionate. So 
I would get excited when Nada would be like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But we've also made a lot of sacrifices. And yes. having a startup or having your own business, it's not easy. And you have to be willing to put in, put in a lot of sweat equity if you want to grow it properly. Right. And nothing happens overnight. I don't care who you are. If you're a celebrity, if you're Ivy League educated, we're all in the same boat. And I always go back to asking yourself the hardest question in the mirror, looking at yourself in the mirror, who cares? Right. If you have an idea or you have a brand and you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, who is going to care about what I am doing? Am, am I contributing something positive? Then you're on the right path. So that means that sometimes entrepreneurs aren't necessarily ready to launch. That's okay. Give yourself an extra few months to get it right. And if you could look at yourself in the mirror and say, people are going to care about what I'm bringing to market because, Mm -hmm. and you feel confident about that, then you're doing something right. Yeah. That's amazing advice. I mean, that is, that is the key being able to feel confident and have that mission and beyond just like your idea you're going to be talking about it for years and years and years and you're going to be saying that same message over and over again because you're going to have new eyeballs on your social media and you're going to go to events and you're going to get out of your bubble and you're going to talk about what you're doing and why you're doing it and that conversation is never going to end so if you're bringing something to market that's valuable, you know, that's, that's really, you know, asking yourself the hard question, is that kind of that first step to success? So you're in all these markets. Are you, are there, is there anything that's like a signature to each market? Like, is there a signature type of beauty that you're seeing in Berlin versus London or New York? You know, are there like, tr- like bigger macro trends that you're seeing? Skincare is our biggest category we have about 14 categories like subcategories what are they it's more like lifestyle and wellness okay beauty devices tools accessories to you know men's care and sheet masks and skin care and hair care and color cosmetics and ingestibles women's hygiene you know feminine hygiene sexual wellness kids Gen Z, CBD. Are you seeing a lot of kids' products at your shows? Uh, We're definitely seeing more Gen Z products like TBH, to be honest. She was the founder, or is the founder of Fairy Tale. Oh, right. I feel like I met her. Yeah, if you have kids, (laughs) if you have kids, they've had lice. (laughs) You know Fairy Tales. I can't. (laughs) I can't even, like. So she has a very, very simple line that's um, really lovely for tweens and teens yes and then bloom is a brand for young women to start taking care of themselves and their menstrual cycle and sort of start to think about that kind of thing bloom bloom and then there's a dermatologist who created a brand called higher education Mm -hmm. 
and it's so witty and so create like creative the way that she has her the names of her products and how she explains it so she's tapping into a younger market to teach them how to take care of their skin in a very positive uh, way it's called higher education I thought that was really cute. yeah that is cool that's very cool yeah I just noticed a lot of products are on the market for kids that are new I've been seeing and I saw a few at your show yeah that's very cool even my 11-year-old son is into grooming. Yeah, my partner has an 11-year-old daughter, and she's into all of the sheet masks and beauty and all of that. So Because it makes she basically, you feel good. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's like an activity, like sheet masks and a movie on the weekend. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're so busy. You've got all these shows, this huge beauty ecosystem that you're running And so how do you de-stress? Like, what do you do to work out or what's your wellness routine? I love bar. I love, I have a pure bar in my neighborhood and I am literally addicted. If I wasn't in the beauty industry, I would definitely own my own pure bar studio. It is just so good for my body and I really, really enjoy it. And I love the fact that there are studios all over the country that I can go to when I travel to all these other shows domestically. And I have a I have a bad back and I can't really run and I can't really do anything that would put any type of pressure on my spine. So I always feel very safe and I always feel very taken care of with the different types of exercises with bar. I used to do Physique 57, you know, s- similar concept. And I really, really enjoy it. I think I'd probably do it six days a week if I had the time, but I try to get in there two or three times a week. But that's really what I, like if I have my own time, my own day, I'll get, I'll go to Pure Bar and and get a pedicure. And then of course I have to ask you what your skincare routine is because you have an amazing skin (gasps) and obviously, you. you know, I'm sure you're way more educated than your average consumer being that you have the esthetician background. First and foremost, it's about lifestyle and it's about making sure you get enough sleep as often as you can. And also the the sunscreen is key to helping prevent premature aging, fine lines and wrinkles, and of course, hyperpigmentation. I was in a treatment room forever and I hardly saw the light of day. Right. And it really did help my skin, preserve my skin. It's important to use, to follow a regimen. It's important to have a day regimen and a night regimen and to follow it no matter what because your skin is like a child and it loves routine and it expects to be taken care of. So you have to have a cleanser that you have to do twice a day, day and night. You have to have an exfoliator one to three times a week depending on the type of skin that you have. You have to have a serum, especially during the day, because it helps protect your skin from free radical damage. And antioxidants come in all different forms and, and you know, from vitamin C to green tea. And it's nice to get like a combination of ingredients. And it's important to keep your skin hydrated if it's dry. Mm-hmm. And there are so many brands. I mean, I was very much a skincare snob when I had my spa, Uh but now I've been exposed to so many brands from around the world. It's just ridiculous. So I'm not really using one brand over the other, but I do gravitate towards those brands that are started by an esthetician or a doctor Mm -hmm. just because my skin really enjoys it. But getting back to the regimen, sunscreen, moisturizer, eye cream or eye gel at night you could be a little little less complicated wash your face 
and use like a thicker night cream and an eye cream and and that's that's it you don't have to layer on the serums and all that stuff if you don't want to right I mean you can if you want to you you can if you want to it's just a matter of doing the motion like going through the the steps and then your skin will reward you as you get older that's great I I definitely think that I have a lot of I spend a lot of time outside (laughs) Well, it's hard for, for athletes, yeah, yeah. that's okay because we have technology these days with laser facials or photo facials and Fraxel, and there are so, there's so much technology out there now that can help reverse sun damage or any type of environmental or even intrinsic damage. And, you know, your diet, it's really important not to eat a lot of sugar. I think sugar ages us very, very quickly. You don't want to be dehydrated, so you want to watch the salt and you want to watch your alcohol intake. And then I know this is this is kind of, just hear me out, that secret sauce is to be happy and try to surround yourself with people and with things that make you happy and try to be as simple as possible. Don't complicate your life. And I know that's like a very broad mantra, but it's kind of true, especially as you get older, that you just want things to be simple. And that actually reflects on your skin and and how you're perceived. And then to be honest, there's Botox and fillers. Yeah. If it, you know, if if, it works for you, if it works for you, there's no, you know, you have to do this or you have to do do that. But like the sleep and sunscreen are kind of a must, but that other stuff, if it makes you happy, go for it. Yeah, I agree. I need to get Fraxel. I'm terrified, but I would love to like just do it and like not know what's happening. Why don't you start with the photo facial? The photo facial. Yeah, IPL, intense pulse light. Yes. It's very, very successful and you could do a series throughout a year and it lifts the the superficial pigmentation and then it takes two weeks for it to sloth off, but it's wonderful because it also helps to tighten your skin as well and it's not so invasive and it's also on the more economical side in terms of what you could do. And then my friend in San Francisco, she has really bad acne scarring Mm -hmm. her whole entire life and she did medical microneedling. Okay. So she did one treatment and she's going to go back again in February. So it's something that I think she's going to do over a period of time her skin looks amazing and wow. because you're breaking up the dead collagen when you're getting microneedling um, it helps to incite new collagen growth so it helps to tighten your skin I mean there there are so many choices out there I mean I really still love aesthetics so much sometimes I'll do facials for our Neiman Marcus pop-ups and I'm like yeah, yeah definitely let, get me back in that room it's just do you still do that you still sometimes sometimes, sometimes. so I'm like kind, I'm retired but Obviously, if they need me or if one of our brands wants me to do facials, I'm like, absolutely. And now, were you doing that as a kid? Like, were you just like super into skin and beauty when you were growing up? Or you just decided... I went to art school. You went to art school. <laughs> yes. So no, no. And I wasn't... What kind of art I wasn't, were you into? Um, fine art. Okay. I wasn't this or that. I guess you could say I was like a drama kid. I was definitely more... I went to a very um, intense school called the Educational Center for the Arts in New Haven, Connecticut. It was something that I had to audition for. Mm-hmm. So uh, my, my junior and senior year of high school, I, I left regular high school at 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, four days a week. And then I went to ECA. So primarily my whole entire upper school education was in fine art. So that's really my background. Do you paint or you like what kind of... I would paint. I don't really do that anymore. I take my creativity and I funnel it into indie beauty. So, but I I have that kind of 
a brain that doesn't shut off. And I, yeah. just, I just see things differently. That's amazing. And that's why Nader and I work so well. So this is another bit of advice for your listeners. If you have a business partner, make sure that business partner is the total opposite of you. Yes. <laughs> have a dreamer and have a maker and then be a little bit of both. But you have to have someone who complements your skill set. Yes. That is really amazing advice. It works. Like you can intersect on some things, but like stay in your lane and that person stays in their lane. Yeah, I think it was the the founder of Method who said that he and his business partner were complete opposites and that's how they were able to make it work. That's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, that's so true. It's so true. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time and advice and I can all talk to you all day. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. <laughs>